uh, Laura, identity theft's real, isn't it? I mean, no matter no matter what we want to say or do, it's, it never we never get away from it. Um, it's going to be there. It's going to try to continue. Uh, it is, it's it's going to get more. I say a little bit more difficult to think uh, to keep people from from uh, stealing things from you that are personal. Um, there's uh, one of the biggest things that they talk about now is that because credit cards are getting a little bit more difficult to steal information from unless they happen to just stumble upon your number or somebody inside sells your information, uh, one of the biggest things you're going to have to worry about is your medical records. And what I mean by that is your, your statements that come from the office, don't just throw those in the trash can. Shred them. <laughs> Because those things are going to be something that people can use to find, and some gullible person out there that's not supposed to give information out will do so. Because they think, oh, this is the person they just can't remember. And if you've been on the phone before trying to get your password from somewhere, sometimes people will give you hints. And somebody smart can figure this out. So identity theft is real. And we began to talk about this idea that that identity theft is not just in, in our own, uh, in, 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 in like the physical part of our lives, but it's all around us. And that the, the, the enemy is trying to steal our identities, trying to tell us things that we're not. Uh, so the first week we focused on the idea of who we are in our identity. So we asked the questions, who are you? And the, the idea for us being, this question is deeper than that. It, it's asking who are we at our very deepest part of our being? Who are you? Then we also ask the question, what lies have you taken on to yourself? What lies have you listened to in this world that they've been teaching you? Have you, have you thought to yourself, I, I don't look good enough because I don't look like that person that's in this magazine or on television? I don't have enough because I don't have the best car that's down the road for me. I don't have the, the biggest house. I don't have uh, the, the easiest life. I don't have the right job. I don't have the right things. I'm not good enough. Those are lies that we take on to ourselves, And it hides who we really are, who we've create, been created to be in our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And when we, when we look into this mirror, what things have we taken on that we don't like about ourselves? I could think of a few things that I've taken on over the years in my life that I might not like about myself if I look. And then what must you do to allow God to whittle away the things that are not you? How do we take and allow God to whittle at us? And a whittle, for anybody that's ever done it, takes time. And it's little pieces that come off. And if you remember that story about the, the, the gentleman who was, who was whittling away on wood and he was trying to, to create something. And somebody asked him, how do you create these beautiful dogs that you've carved out of wood? And he said, well, I look at the wood and I carve away everything that's not a dog. The idea is that God is carving every, everything away from us that's not who we should really be. Our true identity. So what are the truths that we must accept to truly know who we are? So it's about not necessarily doing anything, but learning how to be with God. There's a difference between being and doing. I shared last week how much I like to just sit there and hold my youngins when they want to jump in my lap and, and, and say, Daddy, I love you. Those moments that I'm able to hug them and hold them. They're actually 
being with me where they don't have to do anything. They don't have to do anything right at that point. They're just being with me because I love them. And that's what our God wants us to learn how to do is that because he loves us, we can be with him. We don't have to do anything to receive that grace. But God, as he's holding us, says to us, I love you enough that when I let you go, I'm going to teach you how to be. I'm going to teach you how to be who you really are. And when you leave me, I don't have this power, but when you leave me, when God is holding you, when you leave me, you're going to have something that you're going to have to leave behind. Because I don't want you to go away from here with something that isn't you. And I'll take that burden, I'll take that sin, I'll take whatever it is, and I'll hold it on to me, and it's no longer yours anymore. Because I have my Savior, my Son, my Jesus Christ, right? Amen? So our Lord wants us to be with Him. And then love finds us. We learned last week love finds us. There's this love that constrains us. And we talked about how constraint, what constraints are. We hear constraints, I think, of handcuffs. I think of shackles. But there is a way to think about constraint as being how to help us walk a path that's a straight line. You know, when we're on a, on a path or a winding path, up and down or ebbs and flows that go to and from, if we don't stay on that path, we can get lost in life. And I believe that God's love constrains us. It pulls us closer to Him. It's from His grace that wants us to eventually go on to be like Him. We'll learn a little bit more about that today. And last week we learned that new creation has come. That the old has passed away and the new has come, but new creation has come. It literally means that something is being built up in you. This new creation. That you are being built and rebuilt every day, brick by brick. And I would almost say piece by piece in our case. But sometimes it takes little pieces. And then we learned that the old has passed away, the new has come, the new is here. You know, John hinted at this, John the Baptist. He, uh, he shared that, that, this, that when, when Jesus came, he says, Behold the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. And he says, Behold the kingdom of God. Is, is, at, is at hand or as near, depending on what translation or what gospel you're reading. The, the kingdom of God is near. Jesus came to make all things new. And the old is gone, the new is here. In other words, the old, the old principles that guided your life, the old things that moved you forward, that may have been moving you in the wrong direction, the old sin in your life is thrown away for the newness that God is bringing in Jesus Christ. Amen. Receiving that means that we have to lay down that old stuff. It means that the things that govern my life no longer govern my life anymore. And I don't mean things that keep us on the narrow. I don't mean rules or the love that constrains. I mean the old ways are no longer there. I no longer pick up my, and I don't have it with me, but I'll just say, look at it this way. I no longer pick up this and say, this is what controls my life. It's my phone. A lot of people there, I don't know if you've noticed this, but more and more as I've been, uh, as I've had a chance to be on campus recently, I've noticed that more and more people are walking around glued to this. Have y'all noticed that? I've also noticed that there's a lot of people that are glued to the other thing that's in their pocket 
And that's money. You know, what's interesting is that when you, when you receive the, when you let go of the old and the new comes, you no longer look at this to control your life anymore. You no longer look at money in the same way. You say, first off, Jesus has the whole control of my life. And I'm going to let him do what God wants to do in my life. The second thing you realize is that money no longer means it's whatever I can get for myself. It's, you look at money and say, wow, what is it that I can do for others? What is it that I can do for others to teach them about the gospel? What is it I can do for others to share with them the good news that Jesus, is, that Jesus died, that Jesus lives forever, that we can live for him, with him forever? That he takes away our sins. What can I do to share this good news? Our life changes. And we become ambassadors of Christ. But you may be thinking, wow. In this ministry, uh, pastor, you know, and being ambassador of Christ is one thing, but what does it all really mean? What do I really need to do with my life? And my friends, it's not easy. I can't say, this is the road map, take it. We may all be on the same path, but our stepping stones are different. Each and every one of us have a different stepping stone sometimes to land on. And there, what, what's interesting in this life is that we're not made to be separate people. We are all together in this. And so when I miss my stepping stone, I hope my brother and sister is there to catch me and put me back on my path. And that's what it means to be in this body of Christ. But see, what we do is when we, when we understand who Jesus is in our life, that, and we understand that our identity has changed, that we have been found in Christ, we can still have an identity crisis. Because our life has changed. All of a sudden, the things that we have heard in the past, where we've, we have heard that we're stupid, we may have heard that we're too white or too black, or to, to this color, or to that color. Our hair is too long, our hair is too short. You have crooked eyes, you, you have, you're fat, you're skinny, you're dumb, you're nerdy, you're goofy, you're ugly, you're just not good enough. Those are all lies that we have heard all of our life, and all of a sudden, we're told, you don't need to listen to that stuff anymore. And then, we shut those doors in our life. And we're in this house with God. And all of a sudden, just because we shut them doors doesn't mean the windows to the world aren't open. And we start listening to the voices telling us again, you're fat, you're ugly, you don't look good enough, you're the wrong color, your, your hair's too short, you're dumb, you're nerdy, you're goofy, you're just not good enough. They're yelling at the windows and we finally shut those windows and we're in that house with God again. And all of a sudden we think we're all right. And the world starts beating on the door saying, let me back in and we listen again and we listen again and we go through an identity crisis because we don't sometimes know how to tune out all of that beating all that yelling to hear you're my child you're my child you're perfect in every way Receive my grace. Because we're listening to the people beating down those doors to try to get to us. So what does it mean to have identity crisis? It means that we 
listening to the wrong voices first off. But it also means that we need to listen to who our new identity is. And folks, I, I can't think of a better voice to share with us who the kingdom of God is, who we are in Jesus Christ, than listening to children share with us what the Word of God tells us of who we are. So listen carefully to these children that teach us this morning who we are in Jesus Christ. share something this morning with who you are. First off, you're a child of God. Uh, we're we're going to let this go because God's, God's trying to get a message to us. And again, that's those beatings on the door right now. So we are a, ch- a child of God. You are chosen by our Father. You are chosen by God who loves us. You are told each and every day you're beloved. And when God says that you're a child, I want you to listen to these words as he shares from on high to Jesus. He says, you are my beloved. And when Jesus prays to the Lord later in John, he says, God, I I love them as much as I love you. I want them to know the love that you have for them. I want them to be one as you and I are one. I want them to be one with me and one with you. And if Jesus is praying the prayer, I think he is, that means that God receiving that prayer believes that we are his beloved children, beloved. He looks upon us with the love that only he can see us with. When we have that love in our lives and we are his children, we ought to be able to face anything. But what we are is when we're found in him, we are still in that house. We're having to listen to that voice. If you remember, Elijah took on the prophets of Baal, this Old Testament story. He's, he was found in a cave, and after this all took place, he was. I, I just think it's funny because the way the Old Testament lays this out, he took on 500 prophets of Baal, Baal, actually. And then he actually took on a, another 400 prophets that joined in with them. Told everyone, hey, this is God. He's going to come down and he's, going to, he's basically going to light this wood on fire and he's going to light everything up in front of you. And it, to long, long story short, they had failed to call on their God, Baal. And, and all of a sudden, Elijah just said, Lord, if you're the God, then come down and show them. And after they had poured water all over the wood, God sent down fire from heaven and everything was burned up. See, the significance of that is, just to hear a little bit of a nugget this morning, if you want to go and look this up, fire from heaven was also known as lightning. Why it was most significant during this time is if you go back and read, there is a huge, huge famine 
and it hadn't rained in years upon the land. Why was it important that God answered with lightning? It's because God brought the, the life-giving waters to the land and brought life to them. It had nothing to do with the fire. It had everything to do with life. So this same, this same Elijah is run away from Jezebel. And in the Old Testament, running away from, I'm sorry ladies, running away from a woman was a big thing. He's hiding in a cave because she's after his head. And God comes by and it says, and there's this story, it says, and he came by and, and Elijah was listening, but he wasn't in the thunder. He wasn't in the storm. He wasn't in the lightning. He wasn't in the rain. But at the end it says he was in the still, small voice. So Elijah can teach us something about listening for God in the wrong places. And there's a lot of that goes on in our life. John, 1 John chapter 3, verses 1 through 2, teaches us a little bit about who we are. Jesus, or, or um, John teaches, he says to us, he says, See what great love the Father has lavished on us, that we should be called children of God, and that this is what we are. The reason that the world does not know us is that we did not know Him. He goes on to say, Dear friends, now we are children of God, and, now we will be, what, and what we will be has not yet been revealed. But we know that when Christ appears, we shall be like Him, and we shall see Him as he really is. It begins back with love. We talk about love constraints. But the same love God pours upon us. He lavishes upon us. And this word lavishes on us. Means that he pours out exponentially upon us. In other words your glass cannot hold enough of God's love and grace. That he's pouring out upon you. It will not hold that up. And I think that's a beautiful picture of why we should share the Lord and the Lord with everybody with me. Because there's enough of Jesus to go around for everybody. Amen? So we got this lavish love that's poured upon us, this grace that's poured upon, poured upon us. And then we have this, we are, we are called in this, in this passage, the children of God, once again. And that we are God's beloved. But yet, we haven't truly seen what we're really going to be like. Paul talks about in the New Testament, we are seeing what we will really be like or our reflection dimly right now. But yet what we will see later on will be fully revealed. John is saying the same thing here. We haven't seen what we fully will be right now, but later we will. I'll share a story with you. There's a story of this exotic plant and this exotic plant, uh, it doesn't really show beauty until once a year. At a certain time, this plant will blossom. The rest of the time, it just simply looks like it's going to. We're almost the same way. Except that our lives look like we're fully bloomed, but we're not quite there. We're almost like these street lamps that are set up around that we can't fully understand how far it is that our light can shine. And so it, it only reaches a certain place. But the beautiful part of this is, is that if we, get, if we line the streets with enough street lamps, it's going to look like daytime. All of you. 
If you're shining your light, even if you don't know how far your light can shine, even if it's dim, if we put it next to each other, it shines like daytime. So you're not just a child of God, you're also a member of the household of God, the body of Christ. And together, together your light shines brighter than it can ever be by itself. So we're not quite there. We haven't fully yet understood everything that God wants us to understand about us. But yet, we still live. And the next question is, is how do we live? Colossians 3 verses 1 through 3 says this. It says, since then you have been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on the things above. Where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on what earthly things. For you died and your life is now hidden in Christ in God. So how do we know how to live? First off, we set our hearts on things above. Folks, this doesn't mean that we live our lives completely isolated. We don't have to live with walls that we've made around ourselves. What it does mean is that when we are out in the world, our voice and our ears are tuned with God. That we're not setting our hearts or our minds and our hearts on the things of the world, the things that teach us that to be selfish, the things that teach us that we're not good enough, all the lies that we might want to throw in there. But we're actually setting our hearts on the things of God. And then, and then it share, shares that we are hidden in God, that we have died. That we have hidden, we're hidden in God because we have died. And that our, basically this doesn't mean that we truly die, that we physically die, of course. It means that our selfish desires have fallen away. And that now we look to Jesus for life. This is uh, the, uh, the uh, Anglican Church in South America. Has a, in certain areas, have, have these baptisms every year. Beautiful thing. I had a chance to watch this, this uh, documentary on this. And in, this, in these baptisms, people would come through. And then when they came and they were baptized in Christ, they came up and they were literally given a new name. And that new name at the end of every person in this place had De Christi on it. Of Christ. So each person in this particular area of the church had De Christi on the back of their name. It's a beautiful thing. Because what it meant is that that entire congregation was now a family in God. Their new identity was made known. They died to their old self and they had a new birthday. And all these children would walk around the church and they would celebrate their birthday. By putting like crowns on their head and robes on them. And they would walk around singing glory to Christ, glory to Christ, glory to Christ. Because God wants us to know that we have, when we have died to ourselves, we are looking to that crown in heaven. And we are his children. Paul actually speaks a little bit about what it means 
how, like, how do we live like Jesus? It says that we were, and this is Galatians chapter 3, verses 27 and 28. It says, For all of you have been baptized into Christ and have clothed yourselves with, with Christ. This is neither Jew nor Gentile, nor, neither slave nor free. This is neither male nor female. For all of you are one in Christ. Clothe yourselves with Christ. Pretty simple understanding. Put on Jesus every day. I like to share what folks sometimes ask me. I don't say this often because it's kind of strange, uh, but I picked this up from one of my friends who's a pastor. And they, if you ask him um, if he's married, and, and, and if you ask him who he's married to, he'll tell you. And then he'll say, uh, then you ask him, when did you get married? He said, well, I got married this morning. And they said, well, what are you talking about? That doesn't make any sense. You've been, I know y'all have been married at least 20-something years. <laughs> he said, yes, but each and every day I get up, I have to choose to still be married to the person that I'm with. I want y'all to think about that in our life with God. When we get up, when we have formed that relationship with God, when we get up, it's the same way. We still have to sit, stand up and say to us, I'm going to clothe Myself with Jesus, I choose to follow Jesus today. I don't choose to go the other way. It looks kind of silly when we decide that I'm going to put on half a coat today. Because I know that when I face something that's coming up, I don't need to try to do what Jesus wants to tell me to do. I need to take that part of that coat away and follow somebody else. You ever gotten up and your shirt don't look right? I walked around one day and I had two buttons off. This wasn't when I was young either. And I couldn't figure out why my shirt didn't fit right. None of my friends told me that I had two buttons off. And I know they saw it. After a while, I was like, why didn't y'all tell me beforehand? It's like your friends that you have a piece of spinach in your teeth. You want them to tell you right away, even if it's a little embarrassing. So that later on, somebody that sees you doesn't say, that, hey, look, man, you got this nasty looking spinach in your teeth. Now, I'll tell you a funny story. I was walking around one day, and I, I, it, was a, it was an early morning church service. My friend Matt, um, love him to death, he, uh, he came to know Jesus Christ here recently, and uh, we've been friends ever since, and he's my brother. He came up to me, he says, hey, he's, Joseph, i got to talk to you about something. And I was like, man, hold on just a second. I got, he said, no, you need to listen to me now. I was like, all right. So I walked over in the corner, and he said, Joseph, you got the biggest booger hanging out of your nose right now. And it's grossing people out. I just wanted to tell you. But I said, oh my goodness. You know, I'm glad he told me, right? I'd have been walking. I might have been preaching and that, you know, booger hanging out. I mean, that would have been nasty, right? I mean, y'all were like, you know, but hey, at least he told me, right? It looks silly when you're walking around with the wrong stuff. And, it's, and, and I will share something with you. If, you. if you're friends and you love somebody enough, you're going to tell them when you see it truthfully that they need to, to readdress their clothing sometimes. Don't mean physically. I'm talking about Jesus. Because sometimes we think we're following Jesus, but we ain't following Jesus, folks. We're following someone else. So how do we follow Jesus? How do we put on clothing? And I think that this next... Sharing of Scripture will tell us what kind of clothes we should wear. It also should sh share what kind of fruit we should bear. Galatians 5, chapter 22 through 23, we set our hearts by receiving the Holy Spirit who gives us the fruit of the Spirit, who is love, joy, 
peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And it says against such things there is no law that can say anything against them. Amen? So what is it that we put on in the morning? We put on all of that. Not one of that. Why? Because this word fruit, a lot of times is misunderstood. Fruit is not plural here. Fruit is singular. So when, we, when Jesus says that this is the, or when, God, when Paul says this is the fruit of the Spirit, that fruit contains all these elements. Not one. Not picking and choosing. When you receive that fruit, that's what you receive. You receive the, the fruit of the Spirit, which is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. You can't choose which one you get. Because God is going to share with you this is what you receive. I believe that's like putting on Jesus in the morning. We can't put on Jesus without these qualities to live out each and every day. So no matter how mad I get when someone pulls out in front of me on the road and slows me down going too fast or too slow, whatever it might be. No matter how mad I get somebody beeping their horn at me yesterday when I was at the light, Lord, help me, Jesus. And I was listening to what the signs were telling me to do, not to turn right on red, but they wanted me to do it anyway. No matter how many times that happens, I need to have self-control and patience. And patience is not necessarily the same thing as having patience with other people. Patience is actually waiting for your brothers and sisters to see Jesus the way you do. Or waiting for your neighbor, let's say, to see Jesus the way you do. It is the patience of God who has patience with us each and every day. Love is the love that God pours out upon us. Joy is the joy that God gives us. We are joyful in all things. It doesn't mean that everything makes us joyful. It means that we live out joy in all things. Through the goods, the bads, the ups and downs, right? We have peace in our hearts. And we want to create spaces where we can have peace with other people. Fruit is singular. We cannot have one without the other. We have to have it all. Because it's one. So we are, we are to wear this fruit. We are to wear this clothing. So I'm going to share this morning with you though, how many times you might feel like you're not getting it right. How many times you felt like that you're not quite understanding. How many times you felt like I can't quite get there. Don't have an identity crisis because if you are learning how to be with Jesus, you're not having an identity crisis anymore you are actually ha having an identity found in Christ, which means you are His. It's not an identity crisis anymore. So, we are found in Christ. How do we live this? We live out who we really are. And I'm going to share a few things about who you are as Sam comes up. To share with us at the end of the closing of service. First off, you are His. And what does that mean? It means you are His child, His workmanship, His friend, His, friend, his temple, His vessel, His co-laborer, His witness, His soldier, His ambassador, His building, His husbandry, His minister, His instrument, His chosen one, His beloved, His precious jewel, and His heritage. Amen? Amen. 
In Christ, you have been redeemed by his blood. You've been set free from sin, set free from Satan, set free from the kingdom of darkness, chosen before the foundation of the world, predestined to be like Jesus, forgiven of all your trespasses, washed in the blood, given a sound mind, given the Holy Spirit, adopted into God's family, and justified freely by his grace. In Christ, you have been given all things pertaining to life, great and precious promises, ministry of reconciliation, authority over the enemy, and wisdom for freedom. In Christ, you are complete. You are totally complete in Him. You are free from whatever sin's power had over you. You are sanctified in Him, fit for the, the Master's use, loved, by, loved eternally by our God, eternally kept in the palm of His hand, kept from falling, kept by His very power, one with the Lord. On your way to heaven, quickened by His mighty power, seated in the heavenly places, the head and not the tail, the light and the darkness, the candle in the dark place, a city on a hill, the salt of the earth, his sheep, a citizen of heaven, hidden with Christ and God, protected from the evil one. You are kept by the power of God, secured in Christ, in him. And you're set on the rock. You're more than a conqueror. You are born again. You are a victor. You are healed with his stripes, covered by his blood, sheltered in his wing, and hidden in the secret place. Amen. In Christ, you can have the Father. A home in heaven. All things in Christ. A living hope. An anchor in your soul. A hope sure and steadfast. Authority to tread on all the serpents and all the powers that be. The tongue of the learned. The master and the mind of Christ. The boldness and access to God. The, the peace with God. Faith like a mustard seed. In Christ you can do all things. Have mercy. Come boldly before his throne. Quench the fiery darts of the enemy. Tread on him like anyone else, like a serpent. Declare liberty and the captives. Pray always. Chase a thousand away. Defeat and overcome the enemy. Throw the stone at the enemy. Tread on Satan. In Christ, you cannot be separated from the love of God. Perish for the lost. You cannot be moved. You cannot be taken out of your Father's hand. You must be cha charged and accused. And you, are, you, will be, you will be set free. Him. In Christ, you are found. And in Christ, you will find your purpose. So today, if you are looking for identity somewhere else, look no further. Because in Jesus, your identity is found. And now, you can move to where God wants you to be in life. As we close today, our uh, ushers will be sharing the offering. In our life, God calls us. He calls us to Him, to be with Him, to live for Him, so that we might bring others to know Him. In, in Christ, we can do those things. We can find our purpose so that others may know. So I share with you as we are closing that, that when we pray, we pray to find our identity together 
in God who is with us, the God who calls us, the God who set all people free that receive Him in Christ, so that we might live in the world what God has called us to be. We are called to be His children and follow Him. Let us pray. God, as we leave this place, close all voices that might be pounding on our hearts to teach us other anything other than we are your children. That we've been redeemed. We've been given something new. We've been given a new life. For those that are hearing your voice, God, we ask that you will rest upon their hearts, that you will soften their spirits. They, they can hear the Holy Spirit calling you. God, I pray that no one leaves here without finding their identity because you have already found them. Lord, let them hear your voice, that whisper saying, you're my child. Lord, we love you. We know you love us despite anything that we may put in our way. We know that you are always reaching to us. We pray that you will rest upon us now. In Jesus Christ. Amen.